0: All right, guys, so uh, welcome again. I've been chatting with you a little bit offline here, but uh, welcome to 2023. Whenever you watch this, this is when we are recording it. And everything I've done in media so far this week has been about resolve and resolutions because I freaking love it. My brain is so wired to be in forward motion and nothing feels better than that clean slate, being organized, ready to go, putting the things aside that will encumber you. And only focus on what matters. That's always my mindset in moments like this. And it's a literal bias. Um, you know, the, the kind of, I think it's the fresh start effect, they call it in, in literature. And this particular research review is, is just a quick little note up front. I want to make sure everybody understands I don't do these to be the deepest kind of review you'll ever see. I'm not going to get into all of the, the research methodology and statistics that much, but I will draw some inferences that I think will make it interesting for you. I'm always going to give you the citations and so forth, so you can look those up more deeply if you like. But I really want to just touch on subjects that I don't think we might otherwise encounter. I think that's the real value of keeping a, a toe in the water of the research flow. And this particular piece is interestingly titled Approach or Avoidant Orientation, and they they almost don't talk about that very much. So let me get into it here. Uh, it, it, the, the title is A Large-Scale Experiment on New Year's Resolutions. Approach-oriented goals are more successful than avoidance-oriented goals. This was done at a school in Sweden, Stockholm University, Department of Psychology, And it really is kind of a light study. It's not going to be that difficult for us to get through, but there there were one or two points that I think really are important, and they just don't show up in many other places. So interestingly, like I said, they just didn't start, at least I don't think, and in the entire study, they didn't even create an initial hypothesis that we are going to look at avoidant or approach behavior. They just said there is a very big gap in the literature when it comes to resolutions. And even in their citation block, they're just not that much. It was very easy to kind of investigate what was there. So they just wanted to see what they could find. And I'll show you how they constructed the study. Uh, they, They first of all noted that in Sweden, only 15% of people say they engage in New Year's resolutions compared to us. At 44%. And I I thought that was not only interesting, and I'm going to just throw my spin on it, which may or may not be correct. But if you remember in the studies every year, they they do questionnaires and so forth, and they come out with the, the most content, the happiest, the unhappiest countries in the world, they rank them. And those Nordic states are always the happiest, most content we're always one of the worst, you know, we have the highest rates of anti-anxiety medication, anti-depression medication. So, you know, if everybody's happy, why do you need resolutions? You've already got it going on. So, but I think that is an important point when you're doing research on resolutions in a country where they don't really need them. So for what it's worth, I think that should color our, our takeaways from this a little bit. Um, th- They, they did a lot of literature review analysis and some of their initial points were that in, in current research, and this was a little bit, uh, a a while ago. Let me see. I want to go back here. It was, uh, when was this? 19, I don't see it right there. I, I thought it was maybe, uh, no, it was like the year 2020. It was pretty current. Um, but anyway, they, they said in, in, research that exists monitoring didn't seem to improve outcomes that much meaning you know accountability that sort of thing uh there is a definite correlation that the further you go out more people fall off and so it's kind of like the old gym jokes that you see the parking lot full on january one and then it just gets less and less full as you go we'll we'll show some of that data uh stimulus control and self-reward has shown to improve behavior uh One thing that I'm going to really hammer home a little bit hard is that resolvers, which I like that word, uh, people who are creating resolutions in their mind, report greater self-efficacy over time. And I think this has a lot to do with psychological absorption capacity or our ability to create our own coping mechanisms and self-soothe psychologically. Uh, a a little less positive way of saying it is we're very good at self-delusion. You know, we we talk ourselves into things. But here's a positive side of that. When we look at the fact that we all do need coping mechanisms, people who create resolutions and they stick to at least the process of trying to keep up with some good positive self-change, they do report greater self-efficacy over time. And I think there are a couple of ways to look at that. One is that, we know through research that you you end up uh, with with every time you attempt, even if you fail or fall, but you attempt again, the more attempts you make, you put yourself in a better category of success outcome. And so, as I've always said, every time you fail, that's a down payment on eventual success. And if you're somebody who creates these resolutions, then you're keeping yourself in that game. So total differences uh, or, or topical differences, uh, they, they categorize these into 15 buckets. And it seems like everybody kind of goes for the health ones first. And then sometimes relationships, personal growth, academics, occupation, et cetera. But the interesting thing is uh, they, they don't really show difference in outcomes. In other words, if you're going for this goal or that goal, um, it's, there are similar outcomes. It just depends on what you are picking personally, but, but your, your eventual progress may or may not really change if, if you had picked this particular topic or another. So, uh, sorry, Adam, I'm not going to probably read much there in the chat box or you'll throw me off my game and I'll, I'll stumble all over the place, but I, I will definitely get to it here toward the end. Um, and then, like I said, goal progress improves affect over time so just kind of that self-efficacy because you're trying you're making these attempts you tend to feel better about the whole process and yourself so this is kind of an introduction that's that's why they wanted to do this study and then the way it was conducted uh, at the end of 2016 they created a recruitment tool and questionnaire and they just threw it out there in Sweden, everywhere—social media, news outlets, national news, universities. They they literally just called for this anybody who wanted to be a part of it, and you had to be 18 years old. There was no compensation. They got more than a thousand participants, and just a couple things about that because, as I mentioned, I, I like to at least kind of point out in in layman's terms how research can be conducted differently. This should shade the outcome a little bit in that because this was recruited not necessarily in a certain sample population but the entire population at large and and think about this connection connect these dots they said they're going to study resolutions. If you have a goal, if you want to make an improvement in your life in this particular year, which is going to be 2017, then this is your chance. You know, sign up with us. Let's go. We're going to do this study. So it almost self-selects for people who are somewhat motivated. And so that that impacts the the outcome of a study. And and I think you'll see that in, in some of the results. So you're probably looking again at a pretty content, happy group of people. And now you're maybe able to assume that you've got the cream of the crop, people who were motivated enough that even without any compensation, they're going to jump in and and they could, they could have perceived this study as a way of adding a layer of accountability. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be in a study and it's going to help me. It's like when you, you know, want to go do something and you hire a coach, you're doing that because you want that extra support. So they, they, They put people in three groups, randomized. I'll I'll get into that in this next slide. But it was going to be a full year study. And so you had the initial questionnaire. Then they were going to assess how you were doing after one month. Then at the midway point in the year, in the end of the year. And they offered, or within these randomized three groups, there there were different types and levels of support. And that was the real study. So this is why it's a little bit weird to me that they titled the study avoidance or approach orientation, because in psychology, that's kind of the positive or the negative. And before I forget, I'll explain it this way. When I was doing the Mind Muscle Connection podcast with Tyler Weave this week, as just an aside, at the very end, I mentioned, you know, hey, guys, before we we go, you know, if you can... Put a positive spin on your resolution. Don't say, I'm going to stop doing this because I suck and I hate myself and I hate that I do this. I'm going to stop. Frame it positively. I'm going to do this. My resolution for this year, my one word that I picked for the year was build. Build is the opposite of distraction. I could have said, oh, Joe, don't get distracted doing things that don't matter. You know, just just knock that shit off. Do, Do, you know do something better than that, which you're trying to avoid. Instead, I picked something positive, which was I'm going to build the things I want to build this year. And that wasn't part of this study, even though they named it that they wanted to see if different levels of support and instruction and accountability were helpful. And you're going to see what that they didn't come to very good conclusions they didn't come to the conclusions they thought they would nor did they really think they were very useful conclusions although i disagree i think there's a lot we can take from it so they ended up saying hey let's just do this you know let's just let's 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 dig deeper into the stats and let's just see if we can find something else And then they found like, hey, wow, people did a lot better if they were more positive and approach oriented. So, again, wasn't even part of the study design, but they just thought that was the most fruitful thing to to pull from it. But anyway, here are the three groups. So you had group one, which is basically you're going to get this questionnaire. You're going to get this assessment and you're going to look at, you know, this end of January end of June, end of December, and we're going to roll from there. Just see how you do. That's group one, no support. Group two, they were given extra email support. There's a graphic I'm going to show you in this next slide. They were asked to solicit a friend. They were given a little bit of extra education. And then group three, they really went all in. These people almost received counseling all the way through. And so as you can probably consider... They thought, hey, you know, we're, we're going to show that the people who get more invested in all this, they're going to do the best. And we're going to we're going to show those data points and where those lines are drawn. And we're going to be able to create methodology around this. And it's going to be great. Kind of not what happened. But uh, look, I'll show you right here in this graphic that these were how they broke up the levels of support and. The, the the way they kind of categorized it was the group one with no support they simply were were mirroring them you know you tell us what your resolutions are we're gonna kind of check how you're doing and group two they received social support group three went through very detailed goal setting exercises and as i said some some extra levels of of support and Here's, here's how they ended up creating the, the, the database. At, at each questionnaire point or data collection point, they, they just had a 10-point Likert scale of you know, your, your compliance versus you know I was completely on board, I did all the things I wanted to do, or now I already gave up, complete abandonment. They also had some qualitative questions in there. How was your quality of life? Again, they want to kind of measure self-efficacy. So it, it was a good, it was a well-designed questionnaire, but that was the home base. Now, the actual categories, this this was interesting to me because I just wouldn't have known this otherwise. When you get into any kind of resolution, specifically New Year's, what are people actually trying to accomplish? And it doesn't surprise me, but it's still great to see these numbers, physical health In general, I want to improve my cholesterol. I want to just whatever, 33%, different from weight loss, which is second, which is 20%. Eating habits, 13%. So right there, I mean, you're at 66%. The top three, everybody just wants to improve their their physical condition in some way. Then it goes into personal growth, mental health, sleep, work studies, et cetera. Um, In a graphical representation, this is what that looks like. And it's really interesting because um, I I guess it was in our just normal client live chat this week, we talked about this and our people who are coaches as well as clients of our coaches, they were kind of down here in the one person literally said engagement and presence. They wanted to be more present in their relationships, Um, which I guess makes sense, right? Like if, if everybody here at our community is pretty much engaged in better health and so forth. then I guess that's just kind of a given. And so if you if you already have that mindset, you're, you're probably reaching toward some of those other things, which I, I think that's a good thing. I mean that shows that you're you're getting a little bit deeper into the, the social parts of your life. Okay, so here's the here's the skinny, so to speak, on what actually happened. Out of the people, when they got to the end of the year, and again, I'm not going through all the stats and the the processes of of how they they process that, but group one, so we'll call that baseline, 55.9% of people got to the end of the year. And it's important for me to say that this was self-reported analysis, so They were able to say, hey, back in January, January 1, I wanted to accomplish this. This was my resolution. And now that it's 12 months later, I did a pretty good job. I did it. I'm happy I've met the goal. Or maybe I didn't, you know, it's just down that type of Likert scale. So 55.9% who just were engaged in the study, they complied with the checkpoints they, that's a pretty good stat. Matter of fact, I'll get to that here in just a second. So group two, where they had some social supports and they engaged a friend or family member on their own, and they had a little extra coaching, it jumped up to 62.3%. And then all of a sudden, group three, when they were getting everything, they actually did worse. They did worse than even the baseline. So I think this is what confounded the researchers and I can just imagine them saying wow holy shit what do we do with this like this this is our study like we 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 proved the exact opposite that the more engagement and the more coaching the more education the more support you get the worse you do and and the way they explained it which I, I think is merited is that you almost put too much pressure on people. Remember that they went through what's called the smart approach to uh, goal setting. I think I had this in here. Maybe I deleted that slide um, where you're really breaking down your goals into you know small parts and interim goals and, and you're doing all these things. And so they created almost a hierarchical approach to, okay, this is how I'm going to meet these goals and so forth. And they may have felt at the end, even though they perhaps objectively did as well as anybody else, they may have felt they didn't. And so that's part of maybe what you could call a study design flaw uh, in just the way they set up the questionnaire process and and even the self-reporting, maybe there should have been some more objective measurements of how they achieved their goals. But this is where they decided to kind of dig a little bit deeper and say, well, maybe there's just something else here than what we intended. And they did show that 58.9% who chose that approach-oriented goal, very positively framed uh, goal were more successful compared to 47.1% who, who said, you know, they had kind of a negative avoidance goal. So that's what they decided was the most statistically significant thing that they could pull out. Uh, And again, this is just a graphical representation of, you know, how similar they all were. I, I mean, realistically, when you look at groups one, two, and three, I think this is an important conclusion that we can draw as just viewers looking in, is maybe the process itself as we started talking about psychological absorption capacity and self-efficacy, maybe just the process of having that goal, repeating it, seeing it daily, weekly, creating some action steps, regardless whether you've got all the social support and education and goal-setting support, maybe you don't need all that. Obviously, group two, it enhanced results a little bit, but the process itself is what's important. So let, let me let me pull out some of the things that I think are are most important here. I want to see if I had. Okay. So this first, this first set um, are more from their notes. Uh, I guess some of some of them are mine, but uh I, Again, one one of their notes was that they they thought that maybe the specific goal setting was a step too far. Maybe that was why group three perceived failure at a higher rate. And then one of my points was that perhaps more generalized goals would have been able to increase our ability to justify some of those things. I, I was just doing a contest prep university podcast with Adam. And, and I noted, cause again, we're, this is kind of resolution week. So we were talking about this and I said, I said, Adam, here's what's funny about me. I'm the most skeptical kind of person you could imagine, right? Like I'm, I'm Mr. Empirical data, black and white. Don't give me that, that woo woo fluff yet. I love self delusion. And I always have, when I was in the fourth grade, I was convinced I was going to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys someday. So much so I painted my room blue. I I had Dallas Cowboys paraphernalia everywhere. I would go out in my backyard and we had pine trees all over. I would throw footballs all day long like they were my receivers. There's Tony Hill. There's Drew Pearson. I'm going to be a quarterback. And I played football in school like that was going to be my future. When I started lifting weights in it, 12, 13 years old, I'm reading Muscle and Fitness and Flex magazine, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to be Mr. Olympia someday. And I trained that way. I, By the time I was in my 30s, I had a 500-pound squat, 500-pound deadlift. I was a pro in the WNBF. By then, of course, I knew I was not going to be Mr. Olympia, but I still engaged every single contest prep as a WNBF drug-free pro, knowing this is the year I'm winning. I am winning a title. And Every workout, I mean, hours before the workout, I was, my my heart rate was already up. I was in it so deeply because I was on fire with that goal. None of those goals ever came to fruition, not one, but I sure got a lot farther down the road because of them. And I have loved every bit of that competitive process in my life. It has even overflowed into academics and occupation. And so that that is that is delusion. That is self-delusion. I was somebody could have objectively told me, you're never going to be in the NFL. You're never going to be Mr. Olympia. And you know, they could have crushed my soul, stolen my dreams, all of that. But I had those quote resolutions. I had those goals. And they were very effective in driving my behavior. So I think just being able to generalize those goals, I, I never created a spreadsheet in the fourth grade on all the steps it was going to take for me to get to the Dallas Cowboys. It was just that goal that I could adapt and it was malleable and I could justify failures and redirects and so forth. Like that was an important part of the process. So in this study to get back on track, that's why probably getting into the weeds of some of those super hyper detailed goal setting exercises was potentially negative. Um, but again, self-reported data may not have been an accurate reflection of real objective movement in somebody's life. Um, I think again, I, I mentioned that this is Sweden. You know, we have to account for maybe there, maybe the people who got all of those extra data or, or touch points and and progress and so forth, maybe it just made them feel like well I'm I'm guess I'm already pretty happy anyway, and it's just they they didn't need that. But one thing they did note in this study is that out of every single study done so far, specifically in resolutions, this group did actually report better outcomes except for one study. Um, and so it, just, again, having some sort of accountability and process for this goal process had some merit. That That, that is a really important point is that if you look at 55%, 62%, 52%, if you think, man, that's kind of only shooting 50%, maybe why even have goals in the first place, have resolutions, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And again, the, that that drive towards self-efficacy over time has cumulative benefits. But before we wrap up, uh, other other things that I think we could pull in, these are not part of the study, but I think they they are, are important support structures to it there 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 are a lot of adjunct or parallel studies that show that when you decide to make change part of your identity that's way more powerful than just going through a behavior i'm going to stop this or start this i'm going to learn this or do this those are all actions and things but if you Take a more intrinsic approach that you're going to become a better person because when I said I want this year to be the year of building for me, I'm going to choose to build certain things. It's because I'm looking at how I want my career to go in what may be the final phase, the final 10 years or so. And this, this, I'm in legacy mode now. What am I leaving for these coaches? What, you know, everybody, every part of the industry I've helped to create and pioneer and, and structure, this, this is it. And, you know, I'm in the fourth quarter. What do I want to do? That's very different than just saying, hey, I want to check off a box or two. I want to accomplish this, accomplish that. So that's that has staying power when you pick very intrinsic identity-based values that you want to change. Uh, remember again that repetition, as I said, every failure, every attempt that that is that that is money in the bank toward future success. Uh, don't forget to check your biases. You know wh- why are you even choosing this particular goal? Is it really going to help you? Should you work on weaknesses? Um, you know what what is in it for you in the long term? Maybe the incentive isn't the right incentive. I mentioned this week that. I understand my limitations. Finally, maybe I don't think I did earlier in life, but you know, my, I, I, I can only do one thing at a time. Now I firmly believe that I can only focus on one thing at a time. I can only get one thing at a time done. And so even when it comes down to a resolution like this, I pick one word, one thing per year. That's the year next January one, I'll have another thing I want to accomplish And I think that's important. I think, you know, in my experience, it's, it's been very helpful. Also remember that neuroplasticity takes time. You, you may feel like you're failing and struggling, and this is not worth it for months and months and months and months. And all of a sudden, six, nine, 12 months later, it's like, wow, like this is actually flowing now. It it suddenly got easier. And you're talking about all kinds of links in your brain from motivation and behavior, the mesolimbic dopaminergic system, just all these things that you don't even see. You can't really feel like you're controlling it, but it's just rep after rep after rep, meaning thought after thought after thought, exercise after exercise after exercise one of my things I said I was going to do this year is I'm going to finish this nutrition book that I've actually, I wrote a couple of years ago and I wanted to put it aside and come back to it and revise it. And I am in a crazy time right now with this facility move and so forth and some personal things, my just just a lot of, lot of things happening. And so I said, I just, this weekend is the first weekend of the year, full weekend of the year. And I was going to dedicate a day a week to write sitting down in my office and writing. And i had already told myself yesterday, I just can't do it. I'm going to have to start next week. And then within hours, I I got mad and I I just, I wrote myself a big note. It's in my office back there. And I said, damn it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to come in here Sunday and I'm going to write. I'm not going to miss the first day when I've made this a goal. And that's that, that wouldn't have happened maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, but my own neuroplasticity over time, which has helped me whittle down to some of these other points where I limit myself to one thing at a time and I can focus more on one thing at a time. Since I have decided I'm building and this book is part of this build this year, how could I possibly go into 2023 and already punt on the first weekend with that being my goal, even though I have a lot of, personal and professional chaos and obligations right now I just I'm not gonna do it I will be in here Sunday morning writing and like I said that that took years and years and years to craft and develop the ability to just say I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I know I need to do and I will let the chips fall where they may all right guys I'm gonna bring you in now for some conversation but um just a quick little snip of of some of the places you can see our material and engage with us here. Uh, you'll see that highlighted little mark. Uh, I don't even think this is there now. I, I think I have to actually publish the website uh, officially. But the new Flexible Dieting Institute Professional Coach Association, I'm working on talk, talk about neuroplasticity. I've got all my my branding stuff here just to make sure that I'm focused on building the right things that I want to build. Uh, that website is going to be fdi.coach. And that's that's going to be out here sometime later this month. But let me let me stop this share. Uh, I met my first goal, which is to conclude this part in 30 minutes. And now I want to see if you guys have any thoughts or questions. So feel free to jump on in. Dan, you got to go first. You're Dan.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, you, first, of all, first of all, it's great to uh, to see you and to be back and to uh, uh, get going on the new year. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to add about um, the new year re- resolution something that I kind of stumbled on years ago, decades ago. Come Thanksgiving, uh, I start looking back at the year already. And then between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, do an analysis and start thinking about the next year. And then between Christmas and New Year's, my wife and I sit down and set goals. Uh, So I think what happens too often, you know, you, you started by talking about how, frequently people fail i think it's because okay uh uh i gotta do this i gotta do that if you really put some good uh, uh, you know hardcore thinking behind it take a hard look at what you said you were going to do this year and what you accomplished what you didn't do and what you did do uh put you in, and now only that you could start going after your goal before the actual new year you already got momentum going so that's just a little trick that I wanted to throw out there. And I think um, uh, I know it's, uh, it's, it's helped me a whole lot. It's helped uh, a lot of, a lot of other folks as well.
0: And, and I want to echo because first of all, I agree. And I would, I would expect no less from you. If, if people don't know Dan, he was a a top business coach and speaker for 30 or 40 years. So I know you, I think you've said you've flown 5 million miles. You've spoken to Correct. people from the NFL all the way to just everybody in the world. So <laughs> if somebody knows anything about motivation and achieving goals, it's Dan. So I appreciate that.
1: Sure. And by the way, if you're in your fourth quarter, I'm in my second overtime. <laughs> <laughs> second overtime.
0: That's great. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Dan.
1: Sure.
0: Anybody else? Thoughts? Questions? Goals. I want to hear what your goals are for 2023. Mm. You <laughs> know, uh, I I heard somebody say, I want to learn German. Is that your husband, Amanda?
2: Yeah, he he was talking about me <laughs> like, oh, you need you to learn more German.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> just
2: like, tak, <laughs> I just say, Guten Tag, everyone.
0: I can speak some Polish. Um, thank you. I don't know how close they are to the languages to, to German. All right, Amanda, lay it on me. What are you going to do in 2023?
2: Um, Well, first, I wanted to touch a little bit on the research review. I think there was a lot of validity in the fact that like the people that had the partners that they brought into um, the program with them, I think that, you know, that that's probably in my mind, that was like the, the best way to just kind of keep things light and not I think that the pressure. Um, for those people that had like, you know, the coaching and they, they had like the full, you know, package, I think, yeah, that's exactly probably what happened. There was just too much pressure. Um, when you go into something like with a partner and you just keep it light and you enjoy it, I feel like that's so. something that's going to be, you know, life changing. It's going to make it easier for you to continue on that path. Um, Versus if you're just putting too much pressure on yourself, eventually you're going to say, you know what, I'm not enjoying this. You have to have some sort of um, enjoyment in the things that you're doing. You know, when I I came into my off season, my building season, um, you know, I I was like, I'm going to do a CrossFit because, you know, I want to maintain my lean muscle mass and and I did it for a little bit, but then, you know, I realized like, I fucking hate cross. I'm not that big of a fan of CrossFit, you know? And then the days that I would just go into the gym and lift and just do strength training, I was like, oh my God, this is so much better. So, you know, like on occasion I'll I'll do the CrossFit just to have some variety, but um, just doing things that you enjoy, um, spinning, I enjoy spinning and running and just, Doing things that I enjoy definitely help to keep me on track, and I think that that's very important when setting goals um, related to fitness and nutrition. Um, personally, my goal, this my resolution, has nothing to do with fitness or or um, nutrition. It, it's giving myself more grace and allowing myself to to just do me, like having quiet time, read a book, go do something for myself instead of always focusing on other people.
0: Good. I like it. And, and, and I want to double back. I think you're exactly right. That's That has to be a really big part of why group two did better. They were asked specifically but between groups one, two, and three. They were the ones that just got that personal social support. So I, I agree that that was you know, the best step from group one to two. Um, and we know that, right? Like that's why people hire coaches for anything is just to have somebody there for not just instruction, but, but positive accountability. And, you know, if you're going to be there, I'm going to be there kind of thing. So, and, and to to your point on just your living life on your terms is how I would describe your resolution, giving myself more freedom, grace, time, we all at some point struggle with that and we're so busy with ties to family and work and so forth that we we just never give ourselves that if you don't carve it in now it it just won't happen so i really am happy you're doing that well thank you good having you great to see you any uh anybody else becky kevin tyler
3: I guess I can go. Yeah. I think uh I mean, already kind of talked about uh I think like the big word. Uh you know, I've already kind of talked about that. So I'm gonna go physical for this one. Uh stepping on stage uh for the first time in four four years. Like that's a big goal for me. And it's uh we have a a, a toddler, a two-year-old, our, our first kid. So it's gonna be my first time prepping, you know, as a dad. Um, So I think, you know, it's really just taking all the lessons I've learned over the last couple of years of being a dad, balancing that, um, and now just incorporating something that, you know, does take that much time, that much effort, um, you know, something that is quite selfish and, you know, turning it into something that is not selfish. And, you know, as much as, you know, having to put myself first, making sure that, I am still actually putting my family first and and being there for them because yeah, ultimately that is the most important thing. And so, yeah, I think just tackling that challenge physically, mentally, emotionally, um, in a way that, you know, I can be proud of and, and, you know, you know, she's only two, my daughter Quinn, but still be a, a, a good role model in this sense of, you know, what I am doing, uh, you know, I think we all know what the negative effects it can lead to. um, And so still having kind of that positive effect and role model uh, for my daughter as I go through this.
0: You know, I really never felt that until my very last contest. And that was when my oldest child was 12. So prior to that, like you, I always felt like competing was a distraction from my family. And it's, you use the word selfish. Um, I'm not sure your physical health and take care of, you know, I mean, a lot of those things are not selfish. You said also, it's a good role to your family. Um, but I get it. I mean, it is, it's tough. It's
3: what prep it can be.
0: It's very, very tough. It is. Um, but when in that last, every one of my contest seasons, of course, I was trying to almost kind of hide that I was even doing it and I didn't want it to impact the family. Um, but it wasn't until the very last one, and I got off stage, and it was my best outcome ever a top five in a pro show, Mr. Universe. And when I had done my routine, and my wife and kids were sitting there, and I came back out to sit with them, and my 12 year old son just had this great big smile of pride, Cameron, and he just, you know, he just fist bumped me. And you could just see how happy and proud he was in that moment like, wow, he, he figured out like why, why this is fun for me. And he got to see what I've been working toward. So, but that's when I also stepped away because at 12, 10, eight and four, like that's when my family needed me the most. And so I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta hang it up. You know, now, now I got bigger things to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. I, and I agree, man. Um, You're putting a lot of energy into this season and we're going to make it worthwhile. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Any uh, any other thoughts, guys? Before we hit the weekend, I'm excited. This is I love doing these on Fridays because it gets me so excited for the weekends. Um, I, I probably get more out of it than you guys, of course, but uh, you get you guys give me energy. All right. Well, I will let you go at that. I definitely hope you guys are off to a great start for the year. I am very happy that you're like me, be a part of your journey in this, and I'll be chatting with you all probably individually in different capacities. So you guys have a great rest of your day and weekend.